Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to you, wonderful listener to the HR on the Offensive podcast. This is the podcast designed for HR professionals to help you find out about the latest critical thinking in the HR space. It's me, Chris Howard, back once again, like the renegade master. Yep, I am actually doing that. I'm the marketing director at Lace Partners, and I'm joined in the HR hot seat with my chuckling away partner in crime who can't believe I've just dropped a 90s dance reference, Emma Leonis, our executive director of HR Transformation. Ems, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you, Chris. Although uh, I was actually going to say like the renegade master, just as you (laughs) said it there. (laughs) Exactly. We're both on the same page. We love it. And hopefully we're going to be on the same page with somebody else in a second, because uh, I'll introduce our uh, our other guest on this Lace HR on the Offensive podcast, because today we're talking about all things employee experience and specifically digital employee experience. Because I think as we stand at the moment, where we stand at the moment, you know, it's August, gone through um, quite one heck of a global event in 2020, which is the COVID-19 global coronavirus pandemic. And I think it's pretty much accelerated a lot of what HR professionals have been talking about in this space with regards to employee experience. I think there's been, had to be a lot of change and a lot of change quickly. And perhaps where had this not have happened, maybe it would have taken a few years for us to be in the position that we're in, in terms of the way in which we treat employee experience. And so what I wanted to do today, what Ems and I wanted to do today is bring along a, a very experienced employee experience lead, which is uh, Luca Winterborn. Luca, how are you doing, sir? You all right? I'm very well, thank you, Chris. Nice to be speaking with you and Emma again. It's lovely. It's lovely to have you on. And to, as I said, today, what we're going to do is we want to have a chat about employee experience. And you've got many years in this mm. field. So I think that's where I want to kick us off, actually. Ems and I will probably just fire questions at you for the next 30 minutes. So I hope you're ready for it. But I wanted to kick us off by just talking about the shift that we've seen since the beginning mm-hmm. of lockdown, since the beginning of March and what you've seen in this space. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know, to pick up on a point that you you just was were talking about a second ago, Chris, around COVID expediting a transformational shift. And it has. It's been a forced transformation. You know, it's 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 interesting to see that over the past what four, how long have we been in lockdown now? Since what, March? March? Yep. You know, March in the past few months. Yeah, organizations have been forced to transform at a far, far higher, at faster pace than ever anticipated previously. Not saying it would never have happened. It probably was always on, on some organizations' agendas to transform their HR and organizational structures, et cetera. But yeah, COVID has no doubt expedited that. And we're seeing a shift. I think what I've noticed in the marketplace is a shift. Well, you, we say employee experience. You can call it what you like, but it's employee experience, it's colleague experience, it's workplace experience. And that's the shift of directional travel that I've, I've seen EX take. Um, very, very much more focused on on your working environment now, because the majority of of, of corporate staff anyway <clears throat> are no longer in offices and haven't been for, for many, many months. Of course, we've still got essential services working out with the public, you know, whether they're engineers or, you know, public sector. Um, and that hasn't changed as such. But certainly uh, when it comes to office-based environments, the shift is very much more now towards well-being, 
employee safety and well-being so you know mm. well yeah employee safety well-being is is the significant trend that i'm seeing at the moment with uh with 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 covid um with with covid coming up but yeah look, in summary expedited transformation shift towards workplace shift towards well-being and safety whether that be personal and physical or or mental health um that's a that's a big that's a big subject item at the moment that's trending across HR with all organisations. We're seeing some organisations responding it responding to that particularly well, and some perhaps not so well. But certainly, it's on everyone's agenda right now. And there's also this trend about consolidation that I'm seeing as well. So consolidation of HR services, doing more for less. Because let's also be honest, I think the current climate is pretty tight at the moment in terms of organisational performance and success. We are. We, you know, we are, whether we like it or not, heading into a form of a recession and the market shrink. You know, I, I, I just read this morning that Marks and Spencers are losing 7,000 jobs. We've got Pizza Express losing 1,100 jobs. The market is shrinking. It's becoming a tough environment. And I don't think we've hit the top of the curve yet or the bottom, whichever way you want to look at it, really. So doing more for less is, is a theme I'm also seeing um, across the HR market. And then that kind of leads into tech, really, because doing more for less, you know, invariably leads to automation and self-serve. And a lot of organisations are, are pursuing their self-serve channels at pace uh, to consolidate consolidate their, you know, expenditure, really, and, and in some cases, unfortunately, headcount reduction. So, yeah, that that's kind of where... That's kind of where the tech then comes in that I'm seeing around automation, case management, shared services, um, and, and harmonising all that. I don't know if I mean, Emma. I don't know if you're if you're sort of seeing similar yeah, things in the marketplace. I absolutely agree, Luca. Um, and it's interesting because I was having a number of conversations before COVID kicked off, sort of January, February time, with particularly with shared service directors. Because um, they tend to be at the heart of a lot of this on a day-to-day basis in terms of managing the tech, but also obviously managing operations of, of the HR organisation. And I asked them then about how they use various service delivery technologies. And then obviously COVID kicked in, which clearly changed the priorities, clearly changed the need to just do the right thing and do it quickly for everybody. And so I went back to that group pretty recently and said to them, so you know, has COVID changed the way that you are using technology or your expectations of that in particular? And over half of them said it's absolutely expedited the need for us to further invest, particularly in our service delivery tech. So by that, they're meaning their HR portals, their intranets, their knowledge management, their document management solutions, the case management pieces, probably chatbots and AI as part of that as well. So absolutely would agree with you, Luca. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see just how that continues over the coming months as well. Yeah. yeah, itself. Yeah. Do you know it's interesting what you're saying? And again, this kind of touches on for those of you who maybe didn't get the chance to listen to our webinar. We did touch on some of this in the webinar, and it is you can get it as an on-demand recording. But in the webinar, you guys talked about noise, and I've just heard you there to M talk about you know investing in portals and case management and things like that. Is there a challenge that HR is facing where it's you know if I'm an employee sitting there and I've got all of these systems in place? How do I effectively utilize all these systems? You know, the actual adoption of it is surely going to be a big challenge. I don't know who I want to ask that question to first. Should we ask Lucas, <laughs> seeing he's the guest? 
<laughs> that's very kind um, <laughs> um look, look, my, look my opinion my opinion is really pre pretty straightforward on this actually i think to, to to enable the best employee experience possible you have to think of your service provision as an organization within an within an organization so mm -hmm. we're thinking of our employees and colleagues as customers of the hr service so you wouldn't what if you had a paying customer why why would you force them to use 50 60 different platforms to get their to get the result that they're looking for you'd simplify that process you'd make it as, as as easy and as seamless as possible for for your customers to access and i think the shift towards thinking in that way has been expedited by covid i think it was already there beforehand but possibly not to the not to the extent that we're, we're seeing now and certainly forward-thinking organizations are, are very much in this space but like i said thinking about colleagues and employees as customers means that you would essentially have as few systems as possible for, for employees to interact with to get to what they need done. You want to make that as seamless as possible because that frees up valuable time for them to then serve your customers. And in an ever-increasing and challenging marketplace, the customer service is becoming increasingly important. Let's not forget that employee experience always leads to, or good employee experience, normally, nine times out of ten, in theory, should always lead to an improved customer experience, which is what everyone's trying to push for right now as the market shrinks and it becomes more challenging for all organizations. So I'm very much in the mindset of fewer, fewer tech solutions and platforms as possible, consolidate where we can, or and what I'm not saying actually is, is one system fits all solutions. That's not always the case, but you can certainly design no. and build a small suite of products and services that meet your organisational needs. Yeah. And I'd sort of add to that, Luca, and it's funny when you said about, you know, a number of systems that you had, I sat there thinking, I get it, but actually, does it really matter how many systems you have? Because from an employee standpoint, they don't really care about that. Um, all they want yeah. to do is do what they need to do, do yeah. it quickly, very easily access that. So actually, it's probably more around how you design for the experience than necessarily the solutions yeah. and systems that you have. Absolutely agree, though, with the principle, consolidate where you can, because clearly from an infrastructure standpoint and therefore maintaining that and the cost around that is it's a lot easier. But for me, it's more that what actually are we trying to achieve for yeah the employee, the line manager, the business leader, whoever your persona is, mm. and therefore how do you design around that? Because the system is one yeah. part of that solution. Absolutely agree with that. And you just mentioned, you know, you just mentioned personas and and just, you know, something that I found really useful in, in actually bringing that to life has been to take those persona types in organisations and then journey map. So I know it sounds quite basic, but that's the only the, the only really true way you can you can map out the employee experience from start to finish per process is to journey map it. And you do that with employees. You know, we don't do it in a in a padded room in a in a corporate office. We bring in the persona types, we talk to them, we work with them, and we take them step by step through that journey, map the journey. It's a bit like process design, really. <clears throat> but then you can truly see all the different interaction points and handoffs that employees have to go through to get done what they need to get done. And then you can start to identify opportunities for simplification, consolidation, et cetera, where possible to bring that journey, ideally shorten it, make it quicker for employees and make it a better experience. Yeah. And I, I suspect one of the most interesting um, scenarios that we've all been tackling with over the past number of months is the onboarding piece, because everything's yeah. had to be virtual now. So. Yeah. <laughs> of all of the the journeys when you map them recruitment and onboarding the onboarding part in particular tend to be the ones that are the most challenging yeah in my experience for a number of different reasons 
just the number of systems that are involved, the number of manual handoffs, the number of conversations that need to happen, etc. But obviously now with everything needing to be virtual, I think if you weren't considering how you optimise that journey before, you've got no excuse now. Mm, so true, so true. And we know that onboarding and how you start with an organisation is one of the most important moments that matter in the employee life cycle, right? Because it sets the tone. It sets the tone for your career with that business and you form opinions on how that that very, very important initial journey felt, felt literally felt for you. Yeah, I, I wonder if, you know, what's interesting to consider is actually has, has COVID um, has COVID given many organisations a bit of a, a bit of a, a smokescreen to cover up perhaps not so fantastic recruitment processes in the in the past pre-COVID um, or, or has it just heightened the importance for for getting it right? Um, I mean, I've heard of examples where organisations have done really, really well on their onboarding process during COVID. Um, because they flourished in the online space, um, but you know, equally, I've heard some quite, some quite shocking horror, sto- horror stories where colleagues are just sort of left hanging and haven't had their tech, their equipment delivered to them for several weeks. Therefore, feeling unable to to be proactive and and, and deliver for the organisation. I think it's you know it's it it's important now more than ever to mm. get it right. So in terms of, do you know what's interesting? This has been going around in my head for the last few weeks, actually, and it's related to the recruitment side, but actually it's related to a talent side as well. I mean, how, in terms of global mobility and the ability of starting to have a wider talent pool, how essential is getting that good digital employee experience? How crucial do you think it is and how much more of a role do you think that will play in the next sort of six months, 12 months, as we exit this lockdown period? Oh, I think it's absolutely critical to get it right. I think what we're seeing in the marketplace is a shift, as I said earlier, on a shift towards, you know, workplace experience, but we're also seeing a shift in employees' contracts. So, you know, moving forward, what we need to consider is how significant is it to have employees in offices from Monday through to Friday, you know, 8.30 to, to 6. Well, actually, what we've proven is we can actually work from home, we can be productive, we can deliver outside of that corporate environment. So I think there will be a shift towards more of a homeworking contract basis, which then means that tech has never been more so important. It kind of breaks down the barriers. So I could be working for an organization in, I don't know, Japan. Obviously, there'd be we could would have taken the hour difference, all that kind of stuff. But you know, technically, what's stopping what's stopping me from working for an organization in North America or Japan or Africa or wherever? No. Nothing. Exactly. As long as the tech is right and the tech brings to life that employee experience through HR and through and through your IS system. So that therefore I see a much, much more closer co- correlation in the future between HR and tech. And they've always, I think, had to work very hand in hand already. We, if you t- look, at, look at the employee life cycle and, and the moments that matter, you know, employees' abilities to deliver and, and work for an organisation are largely based on the reliability of the tech that they have. But I think, you know, going forward, that's going to be in an even closer relationship. Yeah, it's interesting you say that about relationships, actually, because one of the things, again, that I think, and again, I'd just like to get both of your thoughts on this, actually, if that's all right. I think there's there's something around HR being 
closer aligned to and I think we sort of touched on this on the webinar as well being more closer aligned to other departments you know this idea that HR and the IT team need to be on exactly the same wavelength is essential as you're moving things towards this digital side and if you're going to have that global workforce of Luca working in Japan and Emma's going off to North America and we'll start ourselves a wonderful company where we can't actually talk to each other because we're asleep Uh, one of us is asleep at any one time but um, how essential do you think that that sort of alignment is between those departments and i'll let let's, you go yeah, yeah let's let him go first. first on the last one <laughs> yeah go for it ladies first this time um okay. I, I think it really really is and i suppose for me again it's it's framing it around what is what's the outcome you're trying to achieve mm. and how you make that happen so for example you know when you've got design groups making sure that those design groups have representatives, not just from HR and IT, but maybe you need facilities in there. Maybe you need health and safety. So I, I, from a technology side, absolutely HR and IT. That relationship has to be there. But again, I'm going to keep coming back to the point that experience isn't just about technology. Technology is an enabler of a an experience and an outcome. So for me, actually, it's about how HR builds its relationships across the organisation and has the right networks to draw the right people in at the right times to co-create those solutions, which is more about working in the horizontal versus the vertical world that HR typically in the past has tended to work in. And part of that's been, you know, as a result of the way that we structure ourselves. We structure ourselves pretty much as vertical teams today with very clear line of sight from COE. But then how does that manifest itself into the delivery arm of shared services? Have you got ivory towers? Have you not? Do those COEs talk to other parts of the business? Yes, no, it varies in organisations. So, yeah, for me, it's about that network across the organisation, not just necessarily HR to IT, but the other functions too, that would be really, really important. Mm. Luca, your 10 pennies worth. I'd, I'd agree with all of that. I, I, I Absolutely, 100%. I think you know if we if we took if we look back to the old personnel departments of the of of, of previous years, you know HR and other functions in organisations had very very fixed remits and did very specific things, but you know the, sh- the cultural and and social shift in organi- in, in our in our society and and organisations has moved into a place of far greater needs for for collaboration and and I think in in the future going forward well already actually and for the future hr is playing a new role it's it's almost the uh, you know the, the the glue that's binding the different relationships together and i think it needs to accept that responsibility i think hr leaders need to accept that responsibility to bring other functions and coes together to provide an enhanced employee experience because it, you know ex isn't just the sole responsibility of hr i've seen ex sit in marketing departments i've seen ex sit in tech departments well actually you know if you think about it bluntly it's the employee life cycle typically nine times out of ten it it sits within a hr function but what i'm trying to say is it isn't the sole responsibility of hr to manage or to to bring to life and that's where i think to em's point you know it's it's about that collaboration work moving forward Um, and how does hr bring different group functions and coes together yeah. Do you know what? Um, just as a quick, I'll ask you a very, very quick question. It's a slightly provocative one. I was just, I've just written this down. Do you think HR professionals need to, and I'm going to say this as a marketeer, uh, mm-hmm. do you think HR professionals need to be a little bit more marketeers? Because as a marketeer, it's been mm-hmm. my natural, it's a requirement that you have to collaborate with the sales guys. Yeah. You have to collaborate with the digital team, the IT team, the PR team, the yeah. HR team. You're almost the center point having to draw in all of the other yeah. functions. 
Hearts. So that's that's a question that I can see Emsy sort of nodding. So do you think I do you think the HR needs to be a little bit more like marketers in that sense? Yeah, I mean, I I think absolutely so. I think if you look at you know even just the job descriptions of a lot of HR roles still today, they're very much around knowing HR as a competency and you know the technical aspects of it inside out. And I'm not disagreeing that that's important necessarily, but actually I think the more that we talk about experience, the more that we talk about collaboration, relationship building, they're all softer skills um, and they're really, really important ones. And not everyone would agree with me on this, but I actually think you can teach a lot of the technical ability with the right training, but you cannot necessarily teach behaviours, particularly those that are innate behaviours. And a lot of the stuff that you talked about in the marketing world is around the softer skills, the behaviours, the collaboration, just the way you talk to individuals. Um, having that EQ as well is all really, 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 really important. So I do think we can learn in HR a lot from marketing, a lot from the customer function as well, actually. Mm, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, the customer we services to, side. We need to hold the mirror up, I think, um, and be a little bit more critical on ourselves. Mm. Yeah. Luca, any thoughts on that? HR yeah. needs to be more like marketers. Yeah, again, again, I, I could not agree more. Um, I'm not, yeah, and I, I don't disagree that you know there are some certain competencies that that may require certain you know certain degree of professional expertise, such as maybe like payroll, whatever you know, or employee relations, etc. But I am seeing a lot more HR professionals come into the function from customer facing areas of organisation, so it's specifically customer services. Or, or customer experience are being pulled into to HR purely because, to M's point, they've got that emotional link with or that appreciation of customer service and emotional link with with people. That's that's we're seeing that 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 trend increase within HR. So I think, uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Really, I guess though the sort of challenge with that is, are we getting enough pull from other parts of business to want to come into? HR or do we need to market ourselves in a very different way to say this is actually what we do this is what we're about it is a cool place to work we're not just about you know yeah. the, the technical stuff there's all of these other things other things that we do so that we draw the right talent and attract the right talent in because I think yeah we talk about needing new skill sets but how we get them I think is part of the challenge as well at the moment Luca mm. so I don't have the answer I wish I did but <laughs> But, 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 you know, um, we've talked about it on, on some other podcasts before, just about the way that we need to market ourselves better, actually, as a function. So not about having the marketing skills to your question, Chris, but this is more about saying this is what we stand for and this is all the great stuff that we do. This is why we do it. These are the skill sets that we need. You know, you don't have to come from a traditional career path. Come from the business. Come from completely different backgrounds um, yeah. and bring that experience in. Yeah, I, I tell you what, I've got a, I've got another question actually, which is sort of link. It's kind of a, a little bit of a segue into it because as a marketer, obviously ROI data, the use of data to evidence your, what you're doing and the decisions you're doing as a marketer is really, really important. And I kind of want to kick us on a little bit to talk about that a little bit. And so, Luca, like from a from an employee experience point of view, how easy do you think it is to gather that the kind of data that you need to be able to evidence the success that you're having on the bottom line as a business mm-hmm. well i mean that's that's a really big question chris <laughs> that's a really big question and it's, yeah. it's partly partly dependent on the complexity of the organization itself um so i've seen some really really complex organizations where that getting that data is actually really really difficult because of the number of layers 
the num you know the number of functions etc but there are some smaller organizations where it's far far easier ultimately the impact of, of a good or negative employee experience can be measured or should be measured really to your customer outcomes so you look you know you look at your, your MPS and you look at you know your rate of attrition of customers are they customer losses are they customer gains and then you sort of start to build back from there really gathering employee sentiment and feedback through a variety of different mechanisms, whether that's survey and pulse or, or workshops and direct interviews, to understand what what the pain points and gain points in that in that employee experience, and you work back from there. Like I said, it it varies per organisation when you talk about ROI of EX, but in theory, in its most simplistic thinking, and this is very simplistic, you would correlate a good EX to to good customer outcomes, which would ultimately mean a, a higher revenue for an organisation and higher retention rates. I would agree, Luca. I suppose an interesting question for us to reflect on now might be, all of that makes sense, and I don't think probably anyone mm. would disagree with that. But actually, are we, if we're honest with ourselves, really measuring that? Do we What measures on our HR balance scorecards or performance scorecards do we actually have that are around employee experience or customer experience or talent experience, whatever you want to call it. And how does that then correlate to that broader business um, experience dimension? Because I, I, you know, I asked about that um, again in some of the recent research that I've done and, and less than half of the, the organizations had any measure around experience yeah. on their dashboards. Yeah. Some of them were using ENPS, but that was about 20 odd percent of them. Others of them were just using more sort of anecdotal type measures Mm -hmm. But for me, that was quite a, a stark finding, because if we're all saying it's really important, we should then all have something on our HR scorecards about that, surely. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Joe, I've seen the same. I've seen the same kind of challenges. One of the things that I'm, um, I've worked on previously, actually, with an organisation is implementing a we talked about recruitment and onboarding earlier on. Right. So if we flip back to that implementing a, a new hire survey which is automated through the, the the hcm i think it was about four four to six weeks after the, the hire date to, to capture what that what that new hire process looked and felt like for new joiners and at the other end i built in an exit survey so again capturing lots of different data around you know what what drove you to leave what why did you leave what was your leaving experience like did your line manager support you etc so you've got the front you got the right at the start of the journey then you've got right at the end of the journey and now what i'm trying to do is is capture everything in between so if you think of all the key moments that matter that are typically automated by hcm if, you, if you're lucky enough to have that or maybe not regardless actually you can still put in measurement checkpoints in place against those key significant moments that matters on on the employee life cycle and, and that's i think the gap for most organizations is they don't capture that data and if they do they're not quite sure what to do with it mm. you know i was actually going to ask you you know what what do you think is stopping us having more of those explicit measures yeah is it that you've got is it that you don't have the data or maybe you do have data and it's just not good enough because <laughs> it could well be that is it that actually we just don't know what to measure i.e oh my gosh there's so many things i want to measure where do i start yeah yeah it can be a bit mind-boggling i think when you start to think about all the different people processes that a colleague would go through in their life within within an organization but you know there are probably too many to count there may be hundreds in fact so from my perspective it's capturing those key ones those key life moments so we're, we're talking about maybe a promotion or a demotion or, or a, a performance management discussion or a maternity or paternity situation etc those key if we can capture those key moments 
then that at the highest level that starts to build up quite a clear picture of of where as a HR function we're performing well or not so well it, we need to get a starting point somewhere yeah i tell you what that's a really good way to actually start to wrap up the podcast today because we're just getting out to the end of our time actually luca it's been amazing uh, having Thanks you having on me. and do you know what just as a just a final thought i just wonder of how many businesses out there that in terms of ex- employee experience almost start to stop when it gets towards the end of that experience the amount of organizations that i know of that okay. the offboarding side is just like completely it's not completely ignored but it's almost like a yeah, yeah, we do that. But do you really do that? And capturing yeah. that data and capturing that information is quite important as well. Luca, amazing to have you on. Ems, thanks for helping me to uh, as my co-conspirator here today uh, <laughs> on this HR on the Offensive podcast. You can listen to this podcast via all of the usual podcast channels. We are on SoundCloud. We're on Spotify. We're on TuneIn. We're on uh, iTunes as well. If you'd like to find out, if you'd like to subscribe, if you'd like to suggest some topics, then we are always open to uh, to talking anything HR related. So I think that leaves me with nothing more to say other than, Luca, once again, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And Emma, thanks as always. Uh, thanks, Chris. And we will see you next time on the HR on the Offensive podcast. Bye-bye.